Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rabbi Dovi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Avraham here on JRoot Radio. Lucky enough to be able to spend with you the next 45 minutes to an hour in the words of Hezuk. And we start to read Rabbim Biad Ma'atim. Giborim biad chalashim, tmeim biad tehorim, shaim biad sadikim, zedim biad osketoratecha. What an unbelievable victory it was. When you take a good look, you'll see that the entire Alanisim is really built on the military victory that the Jewish people had in the time of Hanukkah. But really, there's no mention in Alanisim about the oil, about the miracle of the Shemen. No, for that, you have to go to the Gemara Mesechet Shabbat. The Gemara Shabbat tells us, when it tells us about the story of Hanukkah, on Chafal Lefamud Bet, in a few lines, the Gemara tells us, My Hanukkah, the Tanur Banan. I used to have a Rebbe that always used to tell us, My Hanukkah? You want to know what Hanukkah is? The Tanur Banan. It's the time that you learn Torah. Many people have different ideas of what Hanukkah is all about. It's funny. Many places give off all types of vacation on Hanukkah. Hanukkah was meant to be a time that we learn more Torah, (laughs) that that we do double time, not less. But nonetheless, obviously, I guess it just became accepted over the years. I know that Yeshivat Mikdash Melech, for instance, in Israel, they give Hanukkah vacation. They do. They give Hanukkah vacation right after Hanukkah is over. They give Hanukkah vacation, they give the guys a few days, but on Hanukkah itself, that's double time. Yeah, that's, that's the time that we should really cash in, because the learning on Hanukkah is the real or, en ora ela Torah. So the real light is the light of Torah. And on the days of light, we're looking to make more of the light, not to diminish it, chas v'shalom. My Hanukkah, says the Gemara, the Tanura Banan, Bechafhe Bikislev, Yome de Hanukkah, Tamna Inun, eight days of Hanukkah. Days de Lomisped Behon, Velolit Anot Behon. These are days that we don't make eulogies, we don't fast on these days. These are happy days. Why? Says the Gemara, I'll tell you why. Because an amazing miracle took place. A miracle that they found, the Pachshemen, that was able enough to last for one night, and instead it lasted for eight. So here in the Gemara on Shabbat, it tells you the story about the miracle of the oil. No mention about the war. In Al-Anisim, it speaks about the war. No mention about the oil. It's a little bit funny how Al-Anisim only mentions one, and the Gemara mentions the other. Neither mentions both. It's also a little bit interesting to think about that this is a holiday that is based on two primary principal miracles, which is not every day. If you think about all the other holidays in Am Yisrael, generally they're based to commemorate one miracle. Here it's based on two equally important, it seems, miracles. If I were to ask you, in your opinion, which, which miracle do you think is more important to the Jewish people and our existence and our survival in this world? Which one would it be? It would be the fighting, it would be the victory, because, you know, if we don't win the war, has v'shalom, we no longer exist, has v'shalom. Now, don't get me wrong, the miracle of the Shemen was an unbelievable chizuk. It gave us such 
a lift in Klal Yisrael that Hashem is back with us and that Hashem is protecting us and He's with us. But that's to show us that He's with us. But the miracle of the victory, the, the war, that was survival. Has Shalom. That was the do and not do, the die of the Jewish people. It's amazing. We come to celebrate Hanukkah. We have two miracles to pick from. And when it comes to the actual celebrating of what we do to commemorate the story, the main miracle, we don't celebrate much. The smaller miracle of the Shemen, we base the entire commemoration of the way we celebrate the holiday. We don't do much to show a victory in war. We don't even make a seuda. Well, we don't have a mitzvah to make a seuda. We can't. We have so many seudot on Hanukkah. I don't know what type of diet I'm going on once these eight days are over. That's not my issue. It's oil. On, I feel like a sufgani as we speak, I'm telling you. But the, the, the bottom line is, but there's no mitzvah for seuda, not even on a victory. Not even a seudat hoda'ah. All there is is the Shemen. So from the two miracles that I think everyone would agree, the more important one is not really commemorated, but the Shemen is. That's also an eye-opener to think of why. But ladies, I want to I I really get down to the, the depth of this. Great rabbi by the name of Rabbi Yosef Dov Salvechik. He was the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva Wayu. Yeshiva University. He says something that's really novel. An eye-opening, very creative way of looking at the story of Hanukkah in a way that we never heard it before. And I'm going to tell it to you over in the way that he says it or in the way that his students give over in his name. And this is very creative. This is not the way we heard the story of Hanukkah before. And because of that, I'm coming with a very large disclaimer. And that is that these are the words of Rabbi Soloveitchik from YU. I'm going to give it over to you as something to think about. Not to take away from anything we know about Hanukkah. Just to add another dimension of what we already know about Hanukkah. And when you hear what he's about to say, you'll understand good and well why I'm saying what I'm saying now. So with that in mind, says Rabbi Salavechik a magnificent question. The Jewish people. We are one quarter of one percent of the population of the entire world. Not even one percent. We're a quarter of one percent of the population of the entire world. That means that literally we're a drop in the bucket. We're literally tipav bayam compared to the numbers of the billions of goyim that there are in the world. With that said, our whole existence, our whole history was always a history of rabim biyad me'atim. We were always the minority. We were always the underdog. We were always exactly the one that you'd never think would still be around, and yet we are. And if that's the case, says Rabbi Soloveitchik, what's the big deal about Hanukkah? Every war that a Jew has ever fought in, from the days of Yoshua, conquering Eretz Yisrael, up until today, 
we were always outnumbered. We were always the minority. We were always the underdog. Think about it. 1967. You have Israel surrounded by seven or eight Arab countries. We were ambushed. The Yom Kippur War. We were literally attacked and ambushed from three different sides simultaneously. There wasn't Egypt on one side, Syria, Lebanon. Rabim biad me'atim. Is this a concept that's foreign to us? Every war we fought, we were always Rabim biad me'atim. From the beginning of the first war, let's take the first wars. The first wars. The Jewish people fighting in the Midbar against Ammon and Moab, against Bil'am. We were outnumbered by hundreds of thousands. We were only a few. But we won because God was with us. When Yoshua went into Israel to conquer the land of Israel, the Jewish army was very, very small compared to the seven nations that were living in Canaan and Israel at the time. But yet we conquered the entire land of Israel, although we were outnumbered. Rabim biad ma'atim. Did we make a holiday about that? No. Anytime we've ever fought, anytime a Jew went to war, we were always outnumbered, sometimes 10 to 1, sometimes 100 to 1. But yet God was with us. And we won all those wars. And we always were the minority. So why is everybody getting so excited about the war that we won in Hanukkah? It's all just another example of the history of Jewish victories in war. That we were outnumbered 100 to 1, 1,000 to 1, even sometimes 10,000 to 1, like the story of Hanukkah. And God was with us. And we won. We've been doing this throughout history. So why all of a sudden now are we making a chag about it? This is the first great question that Rabbi Soloveitchik asks. Now, ladies, I come from a yeshiva world. In the yeshiva world, we speak about a different Rabbi Soloveitchik. We speak about the great Rabbi Chaim Brisker and his son, the Briskerov. And from that world, I have never heard really a lot about this Rabbi Soloveitchik of YU that we're speaking about now. However, today I just want to give you a little bit of a different angle to bring a new flavor, a new light, a new angle with great creativity by this great Rabbi Soloveitchik from YU. And I'd like to hear the way we can run with this because it's going to add a flavor to everything we already know about Hanukkah. So his first question is, Rabim biyad ma'atim? That's an old story. Been there, done that. Many times in history. Why are you getting excited and making a holiday over it? Question number one. Another great question the rabbi wants to know. What is the other miracle that we're celebrating? The oil? You had a pachshemen that we found that was enough to last for one night, and it lasted for eight. Says Rabbi Soloveitchik, wait one second. Where would we find this pachshemen? In the Bet HaMikdash. In the Bet HaMikdash. Ladies, we have a Mishnah per Kavot. The Mishnah says, Asara Nisim, ten great miracles. Naasu happened Becholyom, every day in the Bet HaMikdash. Ten miracles happened in the Bet HaMikdash every single day. And, and it starts to list all those amazing miracles. Miracles like, um, you know, uh, although there was slaughtering animals, there was never any smell. Miracles like, you know, it was a big slaughterhouse, there was never any flies. 
Miracles like, you know, when they brought the korbanot and the smoke would go up to heaven, the pillar of smoke would never blow from side to side. It would go directly up. There was never any winds. Miracle, I mean, amazing miracles. You have to see all the miracles that is brought over there. Miracles like when the Jews came up on Ole Regel and you talk about millions and millions of people in a tiny little area, they would be Ombim Tzufim, they would stand literally sardine together, but when it comes time to bow, they would be able to Bimshtachavim Revachim, they would be able to bow down with plenty of room. It was as if the land stretched underneath them. Miracles. So many miracles. You know why? Because the Bet HaMikdash is called Miracle Zone. Not Miracle Whip. Miracle Zone. Anything that happens in this place is miraculous. That's what makes it the Bet HaMikdash. It's a place that runs on its own frequency. It's a place that has its own nature. The Bet HaMikdash was that which connected heaven and earth. So there was a portion of the nature of the Bet HaMikdash that was supernatural. It was a supernatural place. So I asked Rabbi Soloveitchik, wait one second. We're making a holiday about Hanukkah because we found a flask of oil that burnt instead of one day, eight days? What's so ulala? What's so big about that? Many miracles happened every single day in the Bet HaMikdash. So this is another miracle. Okay, but guess what? That's why it's called the Bet HaMikdash. That's why it's called the Miracle Zone. This is the place that the supernatural happens naturally. So what's the miracle? Why are we making holidays? These are great questions the rabbi asks. Ladies, I'm not going to draw you out with questions. He has many powerful questions to build his concept. And if we are to ask, maybe we'll just add one more question. You know, the holiday of Purim is just one day. One day. And yet, the holiday of Purim, there is an entire Mesechet, a Gemara on the holiday of Purim. It's called Mesechet Megillah. One second. Purim is one day. And there's a Mesechet called Megillah on it. Chanukah is eight days. Mafi, there's no Mesechet Chanukah. What happened? What happened to Mesechet Chanukah? Why isn't there a Gemara that talks about the laws, the stories, the Drashot? Nothing. Nada. You know where you find Chanukah? On one page, in Mesechet Shabbat, eight lines. Zehu. That's it. What happened here? The story of Purim deserves an entire tractate. And when it comes to Hanukkah, eight days, and all it gets is a quarter of the back of a page in Shabbat? Why isn't there an entire Gemara about Hanukkah? That's a great question. What do we have to hide? Tell the story. Tell the halachot. If you open up the uh, halachic works on Hanukkah of all the laws... You'll see how many books were written and written and written about the halachot to do the Hanukkiah proper. How high off the ground it has to be, where it should be. Should it be by the door? Should it be by the window? Where is the best place per Sumenisa? What happens, ladies, if you live on the corner? You have a window facing Avenue S and you have a window facing East 4th. Which window do you put it by? There's going to be people walking down Avenue S. There's going to be people walking down East 4th. They don't know. The 
guy that's walking down Avenue S, if you put it on his fourth, he'll look at your window and say, hey, how come this guy didn't light a menorah? Guy's coming down his fourth, if you put it on Avenue S, he'll say, hey, how come this guy isn't lighting a menorah? There's a lot of halachot that have to do with Hanukkah and menorah. What happens if you live in an apartment building and you're on the 15th floor? And the peripheral vision of people walking on Ocean Parkway doesn't necessarily always look up to the 15th floor. Are you Yotzeh by putting it by your apartment building window? Do you know how many halachot there are about Hanukkah? And that's just the placement. What about when you light it and it goes out? What type of oil should be used? What type of wick should be used? Where's the best place to door the window? I mean, it's just endless. We could have made a masechet out of this very easy. And there's no Masechet, Hanukkah. Why not? Why are we hiding the story? What's that? Very good. I'd like to get to this idea. It's a beautiful idea. That's the Rabbi Salvatric. I'd like to get to this idea. It's a very sensitive idea. That's why I'm really guarding my tongue today. I'm weighing... Um, no, 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 thank you. I'm happy you said it because now when I say it, it's going to sound like that I didn't make this up. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Now they see, hey, she heard it. The rabbi's saying it. It must be that it actually is out there. Good. So then the omen is off my shoulders. If that's the case, ladies, let's proceed. You just saved me. Thank you. It goes like this. The Khatam Sofer, he didn't ask necessarily how come there's no Gemara on Hanukkah, but he did want to know that in all the Mishnayot, you barely find the mention of Hanukkah, let alone you never find the story of Hanukkah. How come Rabbeinu HaKadosh, when he put the Mishnayot together, how come he didn't talk about the story of Hanukkah? He mentions the word here and there and pertaining to different laws, but the story he never tells. Shouldn't that be in a Mishnah? Shouldn't that be part of the tradition of Jewish people? We should know about it. So the Chatan Sofer says something very interesting. He says, Rabbeinu HaKadosh came from David HaMelech, the line of David from Shevet Yehuda. Shevet Yehuda was this tribe of the kings of Israel. And Shevet Yehuda was very upset with the family of the Hashmonaim. Hashmonaim, Kohanim, came from the Shevet of Levi. In the period of Hanukkah, and right after, they became the ruling Malchut, the kings of the Jewish people. Hey, wait one second. Kings aren't supposed to come from Levi. Hey, Hashmonei family, you're out of line. You're not allowed to. Lo yasir shevet mihuda. You're not allowed to take the scepter of command of kingship away from Judah, the tribe of Yehuda. So what gives you the right to rule like kings? Rebbe came from Yehuda and he was upset with the Hashmonaim. And because of that, Says the Chatam Sofer. I'm not going to say that Rebbe had a vendetta, chas v'shalom. I would never say that. But he says the Chatam Sofer that Rebbe specifically, on purpose, left out the story of Hanukkah from all the Mishnayot because he was upset with the Hashmonai family. Very interesting idea. But that's not where I'm going today. I'm going to something much riskier than that. <laughs> so let's try this, ladies. Says Rabbi Salavechik, a real eye-opener. To explain and answer all the questions we asked. Number one, Rabim Biad Me'atim. 
Number two, why isn't there a Mesechet of Chanukah? Number three, we asked in the Bet HaMikdash, there was always miracles going on. What's the big deal about another miracle? It's miracle zone. By the way, ladies, I just want to mention, I didn't say this before. Do you know that there was another ner in the Bet HaMikdash that lit <coughs> miraculously on and on and on? The ner HaMa'aravi, the ner Tamid. They lit it once. And it stayed burning for years. Not eight days. <laughs> years. And they never had to replenish. They never had to fill it. It was a miraculous ner. Every shul has a ner tamid because the Bet Hamikdash once had a ner tamid, the ner hamaravi. So ask Rabbi Soloveitchik if you got all excited about candles that don't go out. I got a better one, but we never made a holiday over the Ner Tamid in the Bet Hamikdash. So why are we making a holiday on something that was in miracle zone in the Bet Hamikdash? These are amazing questions. So here's his answer, and he says, "Ladies, if you think the victory of Hanukkah was the Jew victorious over the Goy." Think again. The fight wasn't Jew against Goy. The fight was Jew against Jew. It was the largest civil war in the history of the Jewish people. Now, how does he prove this? Get ready for this. Ladies, when you wake up in the morning, we make Nitilat Yadayim, right? Ashkenazim call it Neglavas, right? We make Nitilat Yadayim in the morning. If, let's say, somebody wakes up in the morning and they forget to wash their hands. They forget to make netilat yadayim. They're very hungry. So they go and they touch food before they wash their hands in the morning. Are you allowed to eat that food? No. The food is tameh. Why? Because being that your hands were tameh, you didn't wash them when you woke up in the morning. All night long we sleep. Our neshama leaves us, goes up to heaven, and stands in judgment from the previous day of actions. When the neshama leaves, the holiness leaves. Anytime holiness leaves a place, automatically the vacuum is filled with tum'ah. So when you wake up in the morning, you're waking up with tum'ah, and it really is manifested in the hands. Yadayim askaniyoten, says the Gemara. Your hands are always doing, we're touching different parts of our bodies that aren't clean. We wake up with tum'ah on our hands. We touch food in the morning, the food becomes tameh. We can't eat it. What about a goy? When we go to a restaurant and we look for the hechsher, and we say, hey, is this restaurant okay to eat by? Did the rabbi who gives the kashrut on that restaurant go to the back of the uh, kitchen and say, uh, Julio, come over here. Did you do netilat yadayim this morning? Did you do three and one and two and three? They look at him, Rabbi, what did you just land from Mars? What are you talking about? Netilat yadayim. If a goy doesn't do netilat yadayim when he wakes up in the morning and then he touches your food, are you allowed to eat that food? Yes. Yes. You know why? Because there's no Tum'ah by Goyim. And ladies, I want you to hear this concept, says Rabbi Soloveitchik. Tum'ah is only possible by someone that Kiddushah is possible by. If 
Kiddushah is possible by you, then Tum'ah is possible by you. But if not, then not. Being that by Goyim there's no Kiddushah, there's no Tum'ah. And that's why even if the guy doesn't wash his hands in the morning, he can touch the food. I mean, we hope he cleans his hands, for heaven's sake. Please, do us a favor. Rabbi, get those guys to wash their hands in the back of the restaurant's kitchen. But that's not a halachic issue. It's a, a sanitary issue. A guy can touch the food from today till tomorrow, and it doesn't render the food tumah. You know why? There's no tumah by goyim. If this is the case, says Rabbi Soloveitchik, wait one second. What about the story of Hanukkah? We were told that the Goyim came into the Bet HaMikdash and they touched all the jugs of oil and they made them all tameh. They made them all impure and there was only one left. One second, but you just told me that there's no concept of Tum'ah by Goyim. And if a Goy can touch the food in the morning without Netilat Yadaim and not make it tameh, he can touch the flask of oil in the Bet HaMikdash and not make it Tameh. So what happened to our holiday? Where did the whole story go? Shema Yisrael. What do we do now? Oh boy. It's because of these great questions. Very thorough questions that Rabbi Salavechik put down on the table in front of us. He wants to say a very new and creative episode of what really happened. What, what, what his students call the story behind the story of Hanukkah. The story that they don't tell for good reason. Because nobody wants to hear such a terrible Chilul Hashem. Because the fight in those days was not Jew against Goy. The Goyim were there supporting the wrong side. But the real fight wasn't Jew against Goy. The real fight was Jew against Jew. It was the largest civil war in Jewish history. Ladies, at that time, let me just tell you a little history at that time. At that time, majority, not just majority, majority is not really doing justice to the numbers. A huge majority, a huge majority of Jews in the era of Hanukkah were all Hellenists. Mityavnim was the name at that time. Mityavnim. Mityavnim comes from the word Yavan. Yavan is Greek. Mityavnim, they became part of the Greek culture. But not just that they became part of the Greek culture. They gave up Shabbat. They gave up Torah. They gave up Brit Milah. They gave up Rosh Chodesh. All the things that they wanted to give up on, not only did they give up on, they got the government to support their so to speak, rebellion against Judaism. Majority of the Jews in the time of Hanukkah were all completely secular. And because of this, we had a serious civil war. The secular Jew that became the Greek Jew against the Jew that was still barely holding on to Torah and mitzvot, the religious Jew. It was Jew against Jew. And says Rabbi Soloveitchik, and then as his students give it over, it wasn't the Goyim that came into the Bet HaMikdash and touched all those flasks of oil. A Goy that touches it 
Just like he can't make your food tameh, he can't make your oil tameh either. But it was the secular Jews that wanted to shut down the headquarters of religious Judaism. And they came in and they touched it all just to shut it down. It was Jew against Jew. And because of this, says Rabbi Soloveitchik, now you understand why we don't want to tell this story. Such a Chilul Hashem, such a Bizayon. So how do we write in the al Hanisim? What do we talk about? Rabim Biyad Ma'atim. A few, a few were able to overcome many. Many who and a few of who, we don't tell you. Very vague. Tme'im biyad tehorim. Yes, very true. Rishaim biyad sadikim. Clearly. Zedim. Zedim means apikores, someone who left the religion. Right? Don't we say that in Amidah? Shover oivimu machnia. Zedim or minim, depending what you say. But that's the laminim, lamashinim, the people who went off and turned against their Jewish brethren because they stayed religious. Zedim biyad oskei Toratecha. But wait, Rabbi, in the beginning of Al Anisim, it says, Malchut Yavan Harsha'ah. Yes, we put in Malchut Yavan Harsha'ah because it was too hurtful, says Rabbi Soloveitchik, to tell you that it was Jew against Jew. This is a story that no one wants to tell. This is something behind the scenes. Why there is no Mesechet Hanukkah. This is why, says Rabbi Soloveitchik. Why Hanukkah, the story was mentioned, just eight lines in the back of one page of a Mesechet Shabbat. Because it was too hurtful to say over what was really going on amongst the Jews at that time. And this is why we don't celebrate the war, because it was a war of Jew against Jew. And nobody wants to be part of that war. When brothers turn on brothers... Such a war was horrible. And you know what, ladies, I want to tell you something. It bothered me as a little kid. I remember the first time my Rebbe taught me about Hanukkah. And he used to tell us this amazing roar about Yehuda Maccabee and Matityahu and seven brothers that went out to fight hundreds of thousands of Greeks. And yes, they did fight the Greek army. That is true. But who was behind the Greek army? The secular Jew. They went out to fight against the the Greek army. It always bothered me. Where is everybody else? Why only seven brothers? I mean, if you have seven Jews that go out to fight the enemy of the Goyim, wouldn't the other Jews follow them, join them, help them? Why didn't anyone else come along with them? This bothered me as a kid, I remember. And I, I never wanted to ask because the story was too good to want to boggle. You know, I don't want to mess with it. But at the end of the day, why didn't anybody help? But today, I know why, according to Rabbi Salavetrik, at least. Because even if you have a good cause to take up, it's one thing to fight the Goim. It's another thing to fight a brother Jew. And that's why only the Kohanim were able to do this. Because the Kohanim had history. Which was the only Shevet by the Egel that was given the job to go out and seek the sinners that fell into the Egel, get them to drink from the waters of the Egel, and kill many of our brethren because of the terrible sin of the Golden Calf. It was Shevet Levi. They have this ability to stand up 
for God's purity, God's glory, God's honor, the purity of Torah, the purity of the Jewish people, even if it's Jew against Jew. And it hurts to tell such a story. And that's why we don't tell it. <laughs> so says Rabbi Soloveitchik. And he says, now you'll understand all the questions you want to ask now, all the questions we asked previously, they're all answered. Every one of them, they're all answered. Why there's no Mesechet Chanukah? And why this story only talks about the war, but it doesn't really tell us vaguely who's fighting. And the other story in the Gemara only talks about the Pachshemen, but doesn't really tell us much about the detail of who or what. It's just kept simple. Because we didn't want to advertise the numbers that we're living in today. You know how many religious Jews there are in the world today? Two and a half to three million. Do you know how many secular Jews that there are in the world today? Fifteen, almost sixteen million. And we need to bring our brothers back, not to fight with them, God forbid, but to be makar of them, to give them a tremendous love and an awakening and a remembrance to remind them what it means to be a Jew. And now Hanukkah is a great time. Yesterday, my mother-in-law made a party, a Hanukkah party, in her house. And we do this every year. And all the kids and the grandkids and all the son-in-laws, and everyone comes together. And my mother-in-law, some of you know her, she's an incredible creative artist of a person. Susan's son, I know you do a Korachot with her, but she's just an, she's an incredible artist, and she's young at heart. So for her, a Hanukkah party is not just uh, a grab bag. For her, a Hanukkah party is a party. She brings in electric trains for the kids and she brings in all different types of arts and crafts and then all the husbands have to get up and make a, a skit, a play where we embarrass ourselves in front of our new son-in-laws. You know what I mean? And, 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 and there's one thing after the next. See, she brings in basketball hoops and ping pong tables and knock hockey sets. It looks like a little fun time USA inside a house. And she does this for the kids and the kids wait for it every year. And this year she brought in a magician. His name is Ken. And we found out later that Ken's real name is Yosef. And you would never have known it if you met Ken. And Ken started out on the mic. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all... He had the voice of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. This guy had the announcer's voice. I was so jealous. I said, I trade you for that voice any day of the week. I need that voice. And you saw how Ken was interacting with the kids. And later on in the show, every time Ken can get some Jewish word in, he would push in his Yiddish. He would push in his Hebrew. He would keep looking back at the menorah. And I saw it. I, ladies, I saw it. A secular Jew looking at a menorah as he's making a magic show. And it was hitting his heart. And he saw the little kids running around with the keep on the head and the little peot and the tzitzit flying in 50 different directions. And I saw what it was doing to him. And at the end, he couldn't stop hugging the kids. Happy Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. And he was asking. And when the show was over, generally, what happens with these guys? They're out the door. Not Hadoli, not this guy. This guy became so part of the moment it was as if he was missing a Hanukkah where we thought we hired him to give us a show. Turns out it looked like that he got more of a show than we did. He wouldn't want, he didn't want to leave. 
He was standing by the menorah. He was looking at the menorah. He was looking at the kids dancing, singing, Al-Hanisim together. Hanukkah's light. Hanukkah's truth. Sometimes truth you got to fight for, even if it's between brothers. But we prefer not to fight. We prefer to stand up and give a tremendous love and a warmth for a Jewish people. Says Rabbi Salavechik, I got to tell you what was going on at that time. Even the biggest and greatest of Jews fell to Hellenism, fell to the Mityavnim, and became secular. Everyone became secular. It became so bad that we even became watered down. Even the religious became watered down. That our observance of Shabbat started to get shaky. Our Avodan Bet HaMikdash became lax and lazy. And because of that, it was really getting to us. Till finally seven brothers got together and said, we have to stand up for Kavod Shamayim. We're losing Judaism. To who? To the Jew. Not to the Goy. We already know from three weeks ago, Parashat Vayishlach, that Yaakov Avinu, he fought the archangel of Esav. The archangel Esav, which is the Goyim. He couldn't beat Yaakov. The Goyim cannot beat the Torah. The Goyim cannot take down the Torah. Only a Jew can take down Torah. Oh, yeah, yeah. in World War II we found this out with Trotsky, with so many Jews that went off the derech. They were a bigger danger to Judaism than the Goyim themselves. Amazing. Alanisim. Rabim biad meatim. Tmeim biatorim. It says it all, but it does not say Yivanim biad Yisraelim. It does not say Goyim biad Yehudim. That it doesn't say, says the rabbi, because that's not it. Now, does this mean that the Malchut Yavan wasn't, a, of course they were. All the stories we heard are 110%, says Rabbi Soloveitchik, about Antiochus, about Yehudit going to the house of the general the night of her wedding and cutting his head off. No, all that is true. But guess who was driving the cause? Who got the government involved to take up the rebellion against Judaism? You can cry when you say it. It was our very own. This was a civil war. I was amazed when I saw this piece. I heard this piece from a very close friend, Rabbi Gladstein. Uh, I, I was very hard for me to accept this piece. How is it that I'm here for, I don't know how many, 40 years? And I never heard this before. How about really? I've been celebrating Hanukkah my whole life. It happens to be my favorite holiday. How is it that I never heard this before? That's not a minor detail of the story. That's the whole story. And according to his clarity now, it answers every question we asked. Go back to it, you'll see very simply, everything is answered. If this is the case, what do we do now? Well, I found that the Gemara brings us a pasuk in Yechezkel. This is Yechezkel Zayin Chavbet. 
the Peritzim came and they were Michalel the Bet HaMikdash. Who are these Peritzim? Parutz means someone who is disgusting in a violating way. Who are they? Who is the Pasuk talking about? There's a machloket between the Baal HaMaor in Mesechet Avodah Zarad of Chavdalid and the Ramban. And guess what? The Baal HaMaor says Rabbi Salavetrix Pshat. I couldn't believe it. This already go. This idea goes back to the Rishonim. He says, you know who these Piritzim are that came into the Bet HaMikdash? The Chililuha, says the Baal HaMaor. This was talking about the Jews that became secular, that went off the path of Judaism. And they came back to shut down the headquarters of the purity of the Jewish people, the Bet HaMikdash. And they knew that as long as the menorah is being lit, there's light to the Jews. And that light kept us going. The minute they shut down the menorah, the minute they shut down the Avodah, the Bet HaMikdash, we lost our oomph. We lost our purity. They knew that that would finally get the religious Jew to fall. This was the civil war. And that's why Hanukkah is an amazing holiday of light. It's light between Jews. It's amazing how this Hanukkah always falls out in Parashat. Vayeshev, Miketz, Vayechi. In the struggle between brothers. <laughs> it wasn't just by chance. Between Yosef and his brothers. One brother on another. Turning for good or for bad. There's no coincidence in Judaism. Everything in Judaism is perfect. And how many times we've seen this? Ladies, many years ago, my wife and I, we were in Eretz Israel, and we had this minhag that we would go every Tisha B'Av to the Kotel, and we would pray there, and it was such a moving scene. You see thousands of Jews sitting on the floor, leaning up against the stones, and crying over the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash. After that, we would make it our business to go out to Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum, on the day of Tisha B'Av. One day a year, Yad Vashem in Jerusalem would actually play a certain movie, a video, that they don't play all year. One day, only on Tisha B'Av. And I was excited to see this movie. I said, wow, I mean, they only play this one day a year. I, I, I'd love to see it. I was expecting that video, that movie, to be footage about the concentration camps. Footage about Hitler, Yamashama, and the war. But when I sat inside that mini theater and they began the video, it was a very different movie than I expected. It wasn't a movie about World War II of 1939. It was the movie about the 10 years prior, before World War II. And they showed you the life of the Jew in the ghetto. The life of the Jew in the cities in Poland, in Russia, across Europe. And they showed you the Haskala movement. The Enlightenment movement that came upon the Jewish people and were taking thousands of young men and women away from religious Judaism month after month after month. The Gidolim in Europe at that time knew that they were under fire. There was a war going on. A Hanukkah war going on. Civil war between the religious and the non-religious Jews. It wasn't just in Europe. 
My father told me over what Morocco looked like when the Alliance came and what they did to rabbis that were Baalei Mofet, Kidoshim Tzadikim Mikubalim. And once the Alliance got a hold of their kids and put them into Alliance schools, they came out barely Shomer Shabbat, barely, from the biggest families. And I know you could tell me stories about Syria. I heard from many of the guys different stories about the Alliance as well. They had their way, and they were very conniving and very smooth. And they knew how to really pitch it to enlighten the Jew. Don't be old-fashioned. Come on. All of that was for the old traditional generations. Today you have to be modern. You have to be up at the time. Shabbat, that's old. Torah, that's outdated. The rabbis, come on. Long white beards. Get with the program, they told the people. We're in the new age, the new generation. And because of that, we lost so many Jews. And listen to this movie. The movie actually showed pictures of families. Families, amazing, before 1930 and after 1930. It was a before and after segment. You see in the before a family, a religious man with a long black coat and a beautiful beard with children, with little, one of those Kepler hats that they used to wear to the Ashkenaz shuls, the cheder. And they had these beautiful peot. The mother was very tzanuan. Everyone was very proper and put together. And then they show you the same family. Looks like a rabbi's family. The same family, decked out in black, religious in beauty. Ten years later, you see the husband, in a three-piece suit with his hair split down the middle. No beard, but he has, you know, that Raleigh Fingers mustache. I don't know how else to explain, describe it to you. One of those handlebar mustaches. I don't know how to explain that exactly. It must have been popular in those years. And he's standing there in the picture holding his pocket watch, hanging out of the loop of his vest, looking down at the time, looking very upstanding, HL, and cultural. I can't describe to you what his wife looked like, but his kids were all in knickers. Very upstanding, nothing on their heads, nothing of religion left. The same family from before 1930 to after 1930. And they showed you hundreds of these before and after pictures. And you want to know how the video ended? It ended with the news blast, 1939. Hitler invades Poland and World War II begins. What a powerful, powerful movie. I didn't expect that movie in that Holocaust Museum. Not the Holocaust, but what happens to Jews when somehow or other we get tested with the winds of the world and we turn on each other besides the machloket, besides the broken families, besides the loss of shalom and blessing, but as a nation, how many times have we got hurt by a story that no one wants to tell? Why does this happen? Why do we as Jewish people always think that the grass is greener on the other side of every other religion? Do you know how I started my Hashkafa class in high school today? I turned to my 12th graders and I said, guys, I want to ask you something. Anybody in this room ever meet a Christian goy that celebrated Hanukkah? Yes. Never. 
Never. Never. Never. Now you show me one Christian that's standing there. Baruch No, no, no. It's not happening. Never did you find a Christian guy celebrating Hanukkah. I can break down now crying telling you how many Jews in the same living room that has a Hanukkah menorah has an Xmas tree as well. Because they want to be opened and liberal to the world. We want to give our kids an ability to decide the directions that they want to go. Ladies, I work with kids. Can I tell you what happens to the kids that come out of the homes that have a Hanukkah menorah and an Xmas tree in the same room? They grow up so confused, they end up atheists. They say, listen, this is too pressurizing. We don't want not this and not this. I'm opting out of religion. I'm done. Comes Hanukkah and shows us a light. It tells us, pick up your head, Klal Yisrael. Go out and fight for your pride. Remember who you are. Stop thinking that there's stuff out there that's better than what we have. There is nothing out there that is better than the fulfillment of the life of a religious Jew. We're a happy people. We still have morals. We still have family structure. We're not the people that are traveling in limousines from rehab centers to rehab centers. We're not the celebrities of America that we all ooh and ah about. And when they get married, the tabloids take bets of how long the marriage is going to last. We're a good people. We have everything. Why are we looking? What is there to look at? The Goyim would never celebrate a Hanukkah. How many Jews have trees in their houses? This is a very serious question to reckon with. Why do we feel we are lacking? We have everything. We're a chosen people. Pick up your heads. That's what the Kohanim said. For this, we're going to go out and fight. We have the pride and the light of the Jewish people. We're the light onto the world. We need to remind our brothers how beautiful it is to be Jewish. How high line it is to be Jewish. The taste of a Shabbat, nothing in the world can give you. The taste of a holiday, nothing in the world can give you. To give a boy an opportunity to learn Torah, it keeps him good. It keeps him clean. It keeps him away from what's going on out there. Later on, he's going to be a good husband, a loyal husband, a good father, because he has Torah running in him. This is the beauty of the Shemen. You can mix the oil with any liquid, and the oil separates and rises to the top. This is the holiday that we call out to all our brethren in Klal Yisrael. Why get dirty with the chickens? You're an eagle. Spread your wings and fly. This is such a light, such a beautiful hug to end all the controversy and civil war. The civil war that's taking place inside the heart of every Jew. And believe me, ladies, in America today, we have this fight. Keeping out everything on the outside of the streets and containing and keeping the beauty and the purity of the Jewish home. Invite somebody over for a Shabbat. Invite somebody over for a Hanukkah party. I'm telling you, if you would sort of look on this guy, Ken, the magic was done was not in his show. 
It was the magic of Hanukkah on a secular Jew that found something that he himself didn't know he was looking for his whole life. And when he found it, he didn't want to leave. And then his whole life, with everything he thought he believed and built himself on, poof, vanished into thin air. Let's use this amazing light of Hanukkah to bring out the light of the Jewish people, the purity of the Jewish people, to invite over the people we know that need a little warmth and love. This is a time to bring back as many as we can right before the coming of Mashiach. Thank you for listening.